welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, and sitting across from me, the man, the myth, the legend, CT Barty. He's in Sydney, folks. He's here. He's ready to roll. Barty, how are you? Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm good, Pat. I'm good. Do you know what Do you know what I feel like, though? What do you feel like, Barty? I feel like um, a tailender who's batting with a top-order batsman, oh. and the top-order top batsman is uh, farming the strike. And in this case, it's you, because I've come all the way out to the f-ing middle, and you won't even you won't even cross over. You won't even cross over. Twenty five minutes to come and see me. All it's all on it. Won't even do it. Won't, won't even, even do, do it. it. Yeah. I mean, Sydney signers listening to this podcast will know will know what the bridge is like on a Friday, circa five pm, and Wolf and that. know why I'm keeping Bardo down the other end. Um, I do feel bad, mate, but I am going to see you tomorrow, <laughs> folks, because. Uh. Tomorrow is my Bucks day, and Chris is all the way from Perth to, to jump on board with me. Um, Spinks is going to be there. The Stick, Michael Wood's going to be there. Um, it's going to be a big two-for-none contingent, Bardo. And I have no idea what's in store for me. Um, there's surprises. There's um, ups and downs. There's going to be... I'm sure there's going to be an extraordinary amount of alcohol is the only thing I'm certain of. So um, I'm stealing myself, Bardo. I need to ready myself in preparation uh, all, for big All I'll say is tomorrow's uh, events are going to be the biggest thing to happen to Bucks since Giannis Antetokounmpo. People, Giannis Antetokounmpo is. I think the people know. Surely the people know who the Greek freak is. Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, NBA MVP, I believe, uh, M- NBA champion, the Greek freak. What else is there to say? How big was he, Bardo? How big? He's a big man. Do you not know? Do you not know the Greek freak? I do not know the Greek oh, freak, Bardo. I, I I inferred from the title that he was a large man that played from the Miami Bucks. So for the, for the Bucks. <laughs> I don't even know where the Bucks are from. Please, <laughs> couple, educate me. A couple of things that have happened. A couple of notes. A <laughs> couple of big notes. I just thought it was an incredible name that you just plucked from the ether. I mean, I mean, it's, um, we've just exposed your lack of basketball knowledge here. So, yeah. look, the show's called Two for None and we've just done a twofer. You've exposed your lack of knowledge about um, Yada Santa Tukumpo and then your lack of knowledge about the NBA because <laughs> you called them the Miami Bucks. Yeah, it's wrong. It's Milwaukee? The Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the Miami Bucks is a strip club. <laughs> Might end up there tomorrow. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. <laughs> uh, no, no, Giannis is uh, the Greek freak. He is probably the best player in the world today, save for maybe Nikola Jokic, depending on uh, who you ask. Uh, he is seven feet tall. Wow. You know, runs the court in, you know, like Wiley Coyote. Um, Jumps like Bugs Bunny. Um, it has a really good sense of like, actually, really good like dad jokes is his thing. Like, get you know, out of here. He's a really like a sort of tacky sense of humour, but it's, it's quite good if you follow him on Instagram. Um, but also, occasionally drops some pearls of wisdom. Uh, there was wow. one where he was talking about failure because um, I got knocked out early, despite being kind of favourites this year. And um, yeah, worth checking out. Be honest. Anyway. I'm going to challenge you at about 4.30 tomorrow to spell Antetokounmpo. And (laughs) (laughs) Early. I wouldn't cast myself as a favourite there, but I'd cast myself as in trouble. I'm in trouble early. Um, Mate, I I wanted to um, bring to your attention, and I'm I'm doing this. 
I've received a couple of emails this week, Chris. Oh. I've received a couple of emails to the Two for None account, um, to the Ginger Snap Productions account, um, which you can email if you want to email me. Go for gold. And it's from somebody called, who I don't think is a real person. I would, I would say they're a bot. Um, they're a bot who's been emailing me, um, trying to, asking me if I'm in high spirits, um, reaching out to me regarding a guy called Andrew Mellon. And Andrew Mellon's a potential appearance on Two for None, Chris, as a guest. <laughs> And um, apparently, the reason why Andrew would be a great host on this podcast, a great guest, Chris, is because his expertise in boosting productivity through smart time management and efficient organisation is truly inspiring. And his practical and fun approach empowers individuals to take control of their habits and actions for a simpler, richer life. Do you think, um, do you think we need more of that on this show, Chris? Do you think he could be a worthwhile guest for us? Um, how much does he know about the NBA? <laughs> I don't think he could know less, but I just love the idea that this bloke has got himself a little AI bot that's just like pumping out invitations to every podcast that exists, trying to get us a cricket podcast with a fairly modest following, if we're honest with each other, to get a bloke on who has strategies for efficient organization and daily life, levering technology for better time management and fostering productivity to achieve your goals. I mean... Talk about knocking on the wrong door. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. talk about coming to the wrong house. Come, come to the wrong house party. Yeah. Listen, it's a hell of a LinkedIn profile. At least you know. <laughs> it's a strong LinkedIn profile, Chris. It's really strong. Um, but he's unfortunately, you know, he's turned up for a house party and found that nobody's home. Nobody's home. Um, so yeah. good luck to you. Strategy um, minimization is not, I don't even know what, what he said. It was a bunch of buzzwords. Sort of like, how many buzzwords can I get ChatGPT to pump out, to send out to Two for None? If you're a real person and you'd like to be a guest on Two for None, then send me an email and maybe we'll think about it. You can't go any worse than Andrew Mellon. Or just a slightly more sophisticated bot. <laughs> yeah, if you're a more sophisticated bot, send us an email, gingersnapsydney at gmail.com, and maybe you can be a guest on the show. Maybe a cricket bot. Have. Yeah, a cricket bot would be great. Um, speaking of cricket, Bardo, that's what we do on this show. Uh, it's bloody World Cup time, mate. It's week three. Um, how, how are you feeling? How's your emotional state? Um, how's your... Where are you at? Well, look, um, slightly around because I just... Um... <laughs> Did you say slightly aroused? Yeah, well, I mean, my, my, my eyebrows went up. My eyes wow. got bigger. Sensational. Um, my pupils dilated. Uh, because I saw footage of Virat Kohli bowling. Mmm. What was that? What uh, was happening there? What is happening there? Yeah, I don't know. I think he, he's just uh, doing his thing. But that was, you know, that was that was fun. And uh, look, Australia got a win, so that was nice. Hey, hey, Adam Zampa. I love that. He, he obviously listens to the podcast. He, he heard your call from the lift. Thank you. And he Thank lifted. You. Um, what else happened? That was slightly arousing. Oh, that's right. Afghanistan beat England. <laughs> yes. What a joy. And the Netherlands beat South Africa. And the Netherlands beat South Africa. Who would have thought? Um, and, Delicious. And, and New Zealand sit top of the table. <laughs> yeah. Four from four. I mean, Chris, I, I, Michael Wood pointed this out to me today. I played golf with the stick today. And the stick did point out that um, we didn't really chat much about New Zealand in our preview episodes. And we probably should have because they pretty much won in 2019. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's more or less the same side. And you've got to say, New Zealand look great, Chris. New Zealand are crushing it. 
New Zealand are crushing it. Yeah, they, they do look really good. And I don't think they're quite at full strength. They've been missing Kane Williamson, I believe, through a bit of injury. So, um, Kane? A couple of, couple of um, you know, Tommy Latham is playing pretty well. Um, Mitch Santon is bowling pretty well. Um, old mate Trent Bolt looks pretty good. So it's all coming up Silver Ferns, mate. And we got to love this new kid, Ratchet, whose parents named him after both the Raul Dravid, Raul Dravid and Sachin Tenduka. Now that, Chris, is a powerful naming mechanism. It, it does point to the fact that you should have mixed both Maddie and Ricky together um, when you named Jack. And, uh, and maybe that's what I'll do if I have a kid. I'll yeah. just m- meld some great Australian cricketers' names together. Well, it's look, it's probably a good time to announce um, the birth of my second son, LeBron Jordan. Do you need me to explain that reference to you? Or is- no, no, I got that oh, one. You got that one. I picked that one up. Yeah, yeah, That was yeah, a layup. <laughs> Real alley-oop, as they say. Um, yeah. yeah, that's good basketball knowledge from me. Hey, mate, um, before we fully crack in, I'd, I'd like to play you a little something. So as I mentioned today, I um, I played golf with the stick with Michael Wood. Um, and a little heads up from me to you, Bardo, the stick is one hell of a golfer. Okay. Um, creamy, creamy drives, Bardo. Creamy drives. Yeah. Um, little man, but absolutely smashed him. And while we were walking around the golf course, I recorded a little bit of audio, a little bit of a chat, um, which I would like to play for you now if you're up for that. Please do, Pat. That would be wonderful. Okay. Here he is. Um, out in the golf course, bright sunny day. Mike, um, I feel like you're absolutely crushing it at golf and I should quit and choose another job. Hey, mate, it's, uh, it's good to be out here with yeah, you. And, like, yeah, yeah. I'm just happy to provide some tips, you know. <laughs> you're uh, keeping your head down and, yeah. you know, you've improved as the day's gone hey, on. Hey, thanks, really. just, Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. Long and straight. <laughs> um, I was going to make a joke there, but I even thought it was too inappropriate for this podcast. Oh, um, Mike, how are you feeling about those Kiwis, big fella? Look, four, four games down and... Uh, we're, I've been very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> our, um, our margins are, have been so good that we're now at top of the table. And, uh, You're absolutely um, killing it, Wood. Yeah, it bloody... started off very well. Yeah, true. Again, even just listening to you guys, no one ever considers the, the Black Caps, <laughs> even though we were like basically won it last time. I mean, you did win it by all. With yeah. almost a, a very similar team. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't even think about them. Uh, you know, I think we're just going to slide on through there, do our thing, and uh, see whoever in the final. I mean, you'll see India in the final, surely. You're not going to see us. <laughs> Maybe the South Africans, but, um, you know, they're usually shit at this. But, um, yeah, man, I think you should be stoked. Uh, yeah, very hard. I don't want to call it uh, too early <laughs> at the moment because there's still plenty of time to go. I've got some yeah. big games coming up. But, um, yeah, the I, ones we've had so far. Pretty I'm good. Pretty, yeah, very, very happy. Eighth hole, Mike. What are you, you going to hit here? What is that? That's going. Another one where we, yeah. we're a bit blind. We're a bit blind. Again. It's a 172, Mike. 172 par 3. Righto. Let's uh, let's have a bet here, I reckon. Yeah. Whoever drives it the furthest for a beer. Oh, that sounds fair. That sounds absolutely fair. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. Butto, did you want to... Um did you want to guess at all who, who did drive the furthest there and um, who had to buy beers? Um, <clears throat> well, the thing about Stick is... He doesn't even have to pack a one wood, mate, because he just turns up and says, "I am, I am wood." <laughs> so, I'm going to say it's it's the man himself who embodies 
the golf club that has, uh, you know, not that I, you know, Tiger Woods, mate, Tiger Woods mm. um, wore red on the final day, I believe, of most golf tournaments, which was basically his signal to say, listen, dudes, Tiger's hunting you down. And you are the big red machine, Pat. That's true. So maybe there's a little a little spirit going around there, but, I, but I'm going to go with, uh, with Stick just, just because. You are absolutely right. The stick did outdrive me. And what, what really made me sad about it, Chris, was it was the best shot that I hit all day. Um, <laughs> I absolutely creamed it, Bardo. Had the hybrid par three uphill, really steep bank right in front of my sweet orange face. I absolutely creamed it. And Wood drove it straight into the embankment. The ball bounced about 60 foot straight in the air and unfortunately landed further down the hill than my creamed drive, um, which given that Wood is about five, seven maybe, and about, you know, sort of 70 kilos of man. And I've been in the gym, Bardo. I'm six foot two. Uh, I'd be pushing 90 at the moment. And he absolutely wasted me. Um, killed me, Bardo. Killed me. I, I need to hear this footage, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. <laughs> it was it was sad. It was a sad time for me, Chris Buddy. But yes, no, uh, great goal for Michael Wood. Even better bloke. And and he's excited about the Kiwis' chances, and so he bloody should be. Um, but uh, let's get into some tapes. So who have we got to hear from today? We have uh, Tom K. Hawkey, our English correspondent. We've got Adam Hassan. We've got Chris the Goodman Goodrick from South Africa. We've got Jai Singh. And we've got Alex Spink. So a lot of people coming to the party. Bardo, where do you want to start? Look, we, we, we bridled with joy, unbridled joy. You bridle with joy or is it unbridled joy? Well, how do you maximise uh, your joy? Both. I guess if you bridle joy, you're, you're, you're containing it or are you harnessing uh, it? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> we expressed joy at the fact that uh, England got demolished by Afghanistan and I would... I would love to hear some Tom K. Hawkey just to, to kick things off. Let's start with the man himself. Here he is with a bulletin from a Brit, our British correspondent, Tom K. Hawkey. Hi there, Tom K. Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. Yes, as expected, England swept Afghanistan away with ease, making it two wins from three. We can move on from that match and look ahead to the next... <laughs> what is it now? Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just recording it now. Oh, no, I didn't bother watching. We won, though, right? What? What? <sighs> it's happening again. I can't do this. I can't go through another tour. I thought we were supposed to be good at cricket these days. Hang on. I've got an idea. the airport, please, and as fast as you can go. Yeah, you're that Tom K. Orky bloke, aren't you? <laughs> I recognise your voice. Go on, say it. No, look, look, I'm really in a rush. Go on, say it. No, but, uh, fine. Hi there, Tom K. Orky here, in a taxi, desperate to get to the airport. Oh, I do enjoy that. Right you are, sir, off to the airport. Good morning. Um, just give me a ticket on the very next flight to Kabul. 
Hello, good morning. I'm trying to find the immigration office. Which, which way? Just down this street. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. Mohammed K. Hawkey here with your account from an Afghan. We did it! We absolutely thrashed England in just our second ever World Cup victory. We've now beaten Scotland and England. Look out, Ireland. You're next. Gabaz was imperious, opening the batting. The England pace bowlers were truly terrible. Sorry, Tom. i got to stop that there. Chris, I mean, may we say, what an incredible piece of work from Tom. What is it? Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. You know, <laughs> crisis creates opportunity is all I'll say. <laughs> And, and and that is that's some of the best work I've I've heard. And I, yeah, yeah, well, hats off, hats. You know, I doff my cap. I I also I have I have nothing to contribute. I just wanted to take a moment to just quickly applaud. What an incredible! Like this is this is what we want. This is the stuff. This is the good gear. Back to Tom. <laughs> and Gabaz pilfered their wayward bowling. He would probably have gone on to make a century too if only our captain hadn't set off for a suicidal run off his first ball. Gerbaz was visibly angry as he was run out for 80 off 57. Chasing 285, which was our highest ever total batting first in a World Cup match, thank you very much, England never looked to be in it. Only Harry Brook managed to face more than 40 balls, showing how dominant we were in the field. England's supposedly famous batting lineup just crumbled before our mighty bowling attack and we ran out comfortable winners. I hope you England fans aren't too sad. And remember, everybody hurts sometimes. Wish me Incredible. Incredible. 10 out of 10. No notes. Print it, Bardo. Print it. Yeah. That's the best tape we've had. Um, yeah, top two, top two. I, look, Adam Hassan's tape was still the best just because genuine human quality. <laughs> but as far as, as far as just embracing what life has thrown at you, I think uh, that is, that's the finest two minutes I've ever heard. Certainly the best trip work Tom's ever done. So that, oh, what can you say? Nothing I mean, the, the poem that Tom did in the last World Cup where he sort of made up that poem about the Australians being at the beach... Um, and he did like a big point of view thing, like they're all down the beach having a holiday and he worked all his puns in. I thought that was exceptional. Um, Michael Woods, Kane will cane them. The song yeah. also sensational. Mm. But I agree with you, Chris. Um, that is top two all time tape. What an exceptional piece of work from our new Afghan correspondent, Tom Kayorki. <laughs> That's, uh, that's a tough act to follow. Do we even bother talking about the game? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What we can say um, with a fair degree of certainty is that uh, England lost. England lost a match that nobody thought they'd lose. At least of all us, Chris. Like, you know, on this very pod last week, we would, we'd totally written that off as an absolute certainty. And uh, what I will say about the, the couple of big upsets this week, mate, is it's reminded me why I like the ODI World Cup. The reason we like the ODI World Cup is because we're seeing minnows we never get to play against or nations we never get to play against or don't play against regularly and we get to see what they're made of. Mm. And 
Afghanistan has come so far in since they've been introduced, huh? Like, what a turnaround. 100%. Um, look, I'll be honest, going down the scorecard, not too many household names there. I mean, um, you know, Rashid Khan's probably the only one that Australian listeners are, f- are familiar with due to his work with the, Australia, um, with the Adelaide Strikers. A hell of a leg spinner. Uh, but he wasn't, the, you know, the, the, the star of the show. So he certainly played very well, uh, but, but not the star of the show. So, look... Great for cricket, and I've got to say, um, you're, you're getting you're getting married soon. I don't know what sort of layout you've got for your your um, land for your uh, reception mm-hmm. there. But what I will say, this ODI Cup World Cup has reminded us the, the, the beauty that is the long table. Oh, right, the long table. It's a very very um, chic setting, and what I ha- love is that this is the longest table because everyone plays each other once, and then we're just going to knock out some semis. And then we'll be done. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's a good way to be. The long table. The long table, butter. We do love to see it. I mean, we nearly love to see it as much as England losing to Afghanistan in the same week that Australia wins a game. I mean, that's a good time. We're actually playing Pakistan tonight. Mm. Um, Chris, mm. Pakistan tonight. And that's going to... That's going to be a hell of a thing. Um, Tom, thank you so much, bud. That was so good. I loved that so much. Um, please keep mining that rich vein of nonsense for our lives. But uh, um, who would you like to hear from next? Do you want some Chris Guthrie? Do you want some Jai Singh? Do you want some Adam Hassan? Do you want uh, a bit of Spinksy? Who do you want to go to, my friend? Well, look, after the um, the sweetness of that last that last. I feel like I need to balance my palate out. Mm. I think quality needs to be uh, met by quality, and we always get that from Adam Hassan. So I think Adam would be a, a fine pick. I love that. I love that. Here is our Pakistan correspondent, Adam Hassan. Pakistan? Nah, nah, I didn't have a game this week. Scheduling mix up, I think. Game against India? Nah, I got cancelled, mate. Didn't happen. Nope, nothing to report here. So with Pakistan not playing this week, I thought today I'd have a look across the border to our great brothers in Afghanistan. And to start off with, I'm going to take you back to ah. a moment in Tufanan history, back in December last year. Oh. Here we go. And then I go but I'm backing us to come back in this season to take the 2-1. I reckon we can take Basbul down. I reckon we can take Basbul down. <laughs> Hi there, Tom K. Hawkey here with your bulletin from a Brit. Yes, Adam, your prediction didn't quite pan out the way you'd hoped. Ah, look at TK. All happy up there on his high horse. Let's bring him back down to earth, shall we? Let's remind ourselves what he said last week. Next up is Afghanistan, who England will beat with ease. And then comes the next mouth-watering match against South Africa on Saturday the 21st. That's right. Just brushed aside the prospect of Afghanistan. Well, guess what, TK? Afghanistan absolutely walloped your boys. Without a doubt, the biggest win in Afghanistan's history. Only their second ever win in a World Cup. The previous one came against Scotland back in 2015. Since then, 17 World Cup matches, 17 losses. What a way to break the streak, beating the defending champions, one of the favours for this year's tournament. And you know, it wasn't like you often see with upsets, where the less favoured side just about managed to scrape over the line in a tight game, no. Afghanistan properly battered England like a good bit of English fish and chips. I'm going to hold you there, Adam. Um, Chris, you know what I love? This doesn't happen to us all the time. 
And and look, like one of the features of how we run this show is that Chris and I, we don't listen to these tapes before we play them, right? So you get our genuine reactions to our correspondents um, signing in. And, and I, we haven't listened to Adam. Uh, and it was so beautiful to have him come out and just smash Tom straight off the bat. I mean, I mean, the man's got receipts. One thing I'm impressed with, actually, is that he's actually listened to the episodes back because I haven't done that in four years. <laughs> <laughs> we put that thing out there and I'm just like, I'm just going to pretend it's out there. That's how I cope. I just, I just don't acknowledge its existence. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the man has combed through, <laughs> accessed that significant um, superior brain power of his, located mm. that memory... And, mm. and thought, now's the time where I'm really going to hone in. And it, and it takes a lot to match wits with Tom K. Hawkey. That's, oh, that's absolutely. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, I don't know so whether they make it. jokes about receipts or about jokes about aloe vera for that burn. Like, I've done it. Couple of cool glasses of ice water. You know, I will give Adam a lot of credit here for as well. You know, Pakistan did lose to India this week. Um, I'm sure we're going to hear about it from Jai Singh. But I love that Adam's taken this moment to sort of go on the offensive, Chris. You know, backed into a corner. He's come down the wicket and he's just decided to go and pump Tom over the fence. And I'm here for it. Do you know what? He's found himself double teamed in the low post, Pat, and he's pivoted. Just like Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he just dunked it on Hawkey. Just like Giannis. I think he's Giannis. I think he might be Giannis. It does make a lot of sense, Chris. It does track. <laughs> Let's go back to Adam. Afghanistan batted first, and Ramanullah Gurbaz got them off to a flyer with 80 or 57 balls. He's a quality player, this guy, and just 21 years old, so look out for him in the years to come. Ikram Ali Kiel also hit 50, and Afghanistan ended up on 284. England, in reply, were all out for a pitiful 215. And what's really cool is that this was a real team effort. Several important contributions with the bat, and everyone chipped in with the ball. Three wickets for Majib and Rashid Khan, two for Mohammad Nabi, and one each for the fast bowlers Faruqi and Naveen. And what a journey they've been on, Afghanistan, to get to this point. In particular, Mohammad Nabi, who has now beaten 43 different teams as an international cricketer. He's gone from playing against teams like Fiji, Botswana, Papua New Guinea, Denmark, Uganda and the Maldives, to now beating the cricket powerhouse England. And in the context of what's been going on in Afghanistan recently, this really is huge. They obviously had the Taliban returning to power two years ago, and on top of that they were hit by multiple earthquakes last week, including one at a 6.3 magnitude. And for example their coach, who by the way is the great Englishman Jonathan Trott himself, so lovely to see him coaching Afghanistan to a win against his own country but he's actually never been to Afghanistan, which just gives an insight into how this team, they can't go back home, they can't play in their own country, they can't train in their own country. So for them to then come to this World Cup and pull off this huge win against England, it really is a massive upset and an absolutely incredible achievement. Adam, thank you, mate. What a great tape. What a treat, what a dream, what a delight. Um, and, and I think that, Chris, there's one thing that we're finding out on this podcast today is it turns out that we're all Afghanistan fans. Um, it's just we didn't know it but uh, Tom's taking flights Adam's crossing the border um, everybody's came for a bit of Afghanistan in their lives look you know uh, one of the, along with Ireland one of the most recent teams to gain uh, test status 
Mm. You know, I keep harking back to Rashid Khan, but he really is a hell of a leg spinner. Um, you know, the city of Adelaide loves Rashid Khan. Um, and they've got some blokes who can bat, mate. Like, their batting was sensational in that game against England. 100%. You know, I think I think Australia, if we're going to get behind anything, it's, it's beating the English. So, uh, Absolutely. you know, certainly won a few fans here. Um, yeah, and, and Adam, I love that tape from you, but not the usual tone we get from Adam. Arguably one of our most serious correspondents, um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying him coming in here and just, you know, being Giannis at the, at the post there, but I don't just dunking on Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most basketball um, words you've used in a sentence ever. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it sounded pretty good coming out of my face too. Um, friend, should we, speaking of crossing borders, um, should we hear about what happened in that game? with India and Pakistan. Should we cross to Jai Singh to hear if, if there was a result of some kind I that think might so. be worth us hearing about? Yeah, yeah, why not? I mean, I'm sure he won't have too much to say about it, but let's 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 just check. Um, this is Jai Singh, our Indian correspondent, uh, with his bulletin for us. Hello. This week we report on two South Asian derbies as India took on Pakistan on Saturday and Bangladesh on Thursday. The Pakistani contingent in the stadium on Saturday was extremely vocal at certain intervals, by which I mean Ramiz Raja and Wakar Yunus were on TV commentary some of the time. Virtually no Pakistani fans have been able to get visas. Sorry, sorry, Jai, just, just, I'm sorry. Chris, is this like National Burn Day or something? Like, Jai Singh's coming out and laying down hits now. Um, <clears throat> what folks that are listening to the pod don't realise is that these tapes are actually recorded in front of a red brick wall with a microphone. <laughs> I think we're at the comedy lounge. Get him in, folks. Jaisi. Just all tickets. So if the game seemed one-sided, that was nothing compared to the fan support in the stadium. The only cheers for Pakistani boundaries were at the point when a fielder looked like cutting it off, and then there'd be a hush as the ball got away from him. Baba and Rizwan were milking the bowling in their usual style, and Pakistan looked set for 300, 320, or maybe more. But Siraj removed Baba completely against the run of play, and the collapse from then on was scarcely believable. Pakistan had been sitting pretty at 155 for two, Oof. before losing a mind-numbing 8 for 36 in 13 overs. My strong impression was that they were doing the video highlights compilers a, a favour and compressing their innings into a pre-packaged KO mini. Oh. <laughs> Thoughts on that, Bado? That uh, the batters might just be trying to help out the editors at KO, pulling night shifts? Yeah, great reference from Jai there to the KO Mini. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to get us a sponsor. I appreciate that, big guy. <laughs> That's the energy we like to see around here, Chris. Yeah. Um, that is an incredible fall away, though, isn't it? Like, that is a lot of wickets to tumble. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't say it's un-Pakistani-like. Uh, they run hot and cold, don't they? So, obviously, a little bit cold on that occasion. But, um, yeah. Yeah, look... Any any time where you sort of feel like Barbara's arms got a start and the, and the top order have all got starts, they really just needed someone to go on with it. You know, Barbara's arms fifty or fifty eight. Um, mm. You know, Imam Al Huck's thirty six off thirty eight. Muhammad Rizwan's forty nine off sixty nine. Plenty of starts there, as Jai's articulated. You know, and I think they even found themselves at you know two hundred and fifty five at one stage, as Jai said. And you, you know, you really want them to kind of kick on from there and, and be posting somewhere in the order of three hundred. Um, Really, you've got to think pretty disappointing from, um, well, what is that, the bottom six. So, um, 
Mm, yeah, yeah, a lot of wickets just tumbling there, Chris. And I was watching it, and it, you know, when you're watching a game or you're playing a game, and you're suddenly just like, everybody's going to get out. Like it just looked like there was a wicket every other ball. Um, anyway, let's go back. There was a pleasing symmetry to India's bowling figures, with two wickets apiece for Bumrah, Siraj, Pandya, Kuldeep, and Jadeja, and two overs were Shardul Thakur. A perfect period of ODI middle order accumulation was wasted and Pakistan ended up with a good T20 score, but nothing more. Rohit Sharma certainly seemed to think it was a T20. He and Shubman Gill started like an express train and short work was made of the chase. Once Rohit mm-hmm. fell for a spellbinding 86 from 63 balls, Shreyas Iyer and Kel Rahul suddenly remembered it was an ODI and showed us a bit of the old ODI milking, bringing the circle back full turn to Barber and Rizwan except back then the match had been in the balance and this was just the flickering of its dying embers. India won by seven nice. wickets with nearly 20 overs unused. Let me get a dollar Jesus. ready for the cliche jar as I remind you that India has now posted eight unanswered victories in ODI World Cups against Pakistan, the streak that dates back to 1992. Wow. Stat. Fresh from this latest triumph against their little brother, India turned their attention to their even younger brother. Bangladesh's start, racing to 93 without loss in the 15th over, recalled memories of their famous 2007 victory. Hang on, I've got another dollar in here somewhere. (laughs) But this match ended up being another example of India reigning the opposition in after a good start. The big story, however, was Hardik Pandya rolling his ankle and throwing India's whole team balance into question. India's previous performances had made us ask why Shardul Dakar was being picked as a number eight who barely bowled. Well... This was where we saw his value. When Hardik went down after bowling three balls, Virat Kohli stepped up to complete the over. He sent down three tidy deliveries, but the carnage that could have ensued had he been required to bowl a further 54 doesn't bear thinking about. Just holding there. Butto, um, what do you make of Kohli's bowling? What do you, you think of it? Uh, unusual. <laughs> it's definitely slow. Uh-huh. Shades of Chris Harris from New Zealand. Okay, so slow, medium paces. It just has a really um, unique windmill action. Like it's um, mm. it's a little bit primary school. Interesting. In the, I've, uh, you know, I'm going off memory here, but I think the lead arm is just a, a lot further out than the than the arm with the ball. Right. And you know, I don't know. Maybe he's rolling his fingers over it. Something strange. Anyway. I wouldn't recommend they follow that path. I think Jai's right. I think further 54 balls could have been a big problem. Uh, so, um, good to hear they've got some cover. Yeah, I reckon. And that's where we saw the need for Shago as an insurance policy. He isn't one of India's best five bowlers, but ODI cricket has changed significantly from 10 to 20 years ago, where you only needed four specialists and a couple of batters who could roll their arms over. Now you need a fifth frontline bowler, unless you want to be remembered for all the wrong reasons. And furthermore, it's guaranteed that at least one of your five frontline bowlers will either get tonked or injured, so you need a viable sixth option. India don't have a production line of seam bowling all-rounders, so they have to make do with Hardik, who bats at six, and Shardul, who bats at eight. Ideally, you'd have Jadija at eight and Shardul at nine, but there isn't anyone else to slot in at seven. Hmm. The trouble with Hardik's potentially tournament-ending injury is that he's either replaced with a batter by, by a sixth bowling option, 
Well, Jadeja and Chad will have to move up to six and seven, and India find themselves with one of the longest tails since East Africa went up against Bishan Singh Bedi in 1975. <laughs> Sorry, Chai. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> what? You can't just say stuff like that and, and have it present it like it's common knowledge. I mean, I, I'm a man who doesn't know who the Greek freak is, right? So maybe I'm just an idiot. But uh, do you have any idea what he's talking about, Chris? No, I was going to say, I need a tape to explain that reference. <laughs> Same. Can, we, Same. can we get some bonus content, like a bonus episode, Jai, just where you explain what that was? Because it sounded good, and I'd like to bring it out at my next dinner party, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> no idea. What swirled through the minds of Indian fans has hardly limped off, and the Bangladeshi openers continued to tear strips off the Indian attack. Shaga was expensive early, as the openers tried, and mostly succeeded, in hitting him out of the attack. But he ended up tightening his lines and posting decent figures at 9 overs, 1 for 59. Not great, but decent for your 5th or 6th ball. Siraj was erratic again, which is a bit more of a concern. But the spinners put their usual choke on, and the great Jasprit Bumrah followed 7 overs, 1 maiden, 2 for 19 against Pakistan, with 10 overs, 1 maiden, 2 for 41 here, including India's only maiden in each match. Once again, the score could easily have been in the 300s based on the start but they held Bangladesh to a below par 256. This time, there was no real collapse, but they just broke every partnership before it got too dangerous. Roy and Gill once again exploded out of the blocks. Virat Kohli was given an easy start with two free hits off his first three balls. There was no deceleration this time until the very end when Kale Roll turned down singles to ensure Kohli got his 100. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. We know net run rate can become a factor in World Cup progression, and it suggests complacency to consciously put your teammates' milestone above finishing the match quickly. India probably does have enough breathing room because they're still unbeaten, but if they do get eliminated, South African style, by botching some rain calculations, for instance, the media will remember the five rejected singles and chalk up another mark against Gelrow's tactical acumen and decision-making priorities. Mm. But to swerve from the hypothetical to the real, let's dwell for a moment on Kohli's 48th ODI 100. He's now wow. only 100 short of Sachin's record, but has played 178 fewer matches. Wow. India's top five are all in form now, and that's ominous for the competition. Even if a weakened bowling attack concedes 400, they could very well chase it. Wow, wow, we were. Thank you, Jai Singh. Great stuff as per usual, my friend. Um, Bardo, big stats there for Coley. Holy moly, what an incredible ODI record that is. Jeez. Yeah, Sus. that's just ridiculous. It's redonk, man. Too many hundreds. Too many hundreds. Also, India's whole top five all being at form in the same time does feel like a personal attack. Like, I I'm not sure that's fair. Um, I feel like there should be a couple of blokes who are scratchy. Um, don't you reckon? Yeah, look, incredibly scratchy. Mate, just to give you some context. So, Please. Um, in tests, right, in test match cricket, Coley uh, played 111 games, high score of 254 not, average of 49.3, bearing in mind that he's been a little bit um, scratchy of late, um, mm. you know, by his own lofty standards, you know, perfectly polished by anyone else's. Uh, 2900s, 2950s, so fantastic conversion rate. Yeah, wow. So that's a pretty decent record. Now I'm going to compare that with his one day's national record. Yeah. Um, 285 games, uh, an average of 58. <laughs> um, yeah, not bad. 
highest score of 183, uh, strike rate of 93.7. Wow. Silly. 4,800s and 6,850s. Yeah, and mate, look, the, the thing is, he's looked imperious. Like, when you're watching Virat and he's making those cover drives off balls that are on length or just short of a length that shouldn't be cover drivable. He's driving them on the up on tricky tracks. You know he's in really good nick, but he's been playing the spin as well. He's been cutting. He's been on the back foot, on the front foot. He looks like an absolute monster. Um, and I I am not looking forward to... If Australia does progress, um, you have to say that India would be a, a potential opponent for us, and I don't like the sounds of it, frankly, Bardo. And importantly, mate, it's got me thinking about buying some tyres. <laughs> Perhaps most importantly, all I can think about is MRF. All I can think about is I get MRF on the Civic. That could be it, Chris. That could be what takes me from a number 10 to a number 9. Yeah. Um, Pal, should we do some Chris Goodrick before we do some Alexander Spinks? Yeah, look, I could go for another tale of woe. Here he is, folks, our South African correspondent, Chris, the good man, Goodry. <laughs> Sabona, good day, guys. Good day, Paddy. Good day, team. So, let's look at how things are going with the Proteas, the men in green. Three games played so far and uh, two games won. So, um, a good start by South Africa. In fact, a brilliant start, to be fair, um, setting three World Cup records in the first game against Sri Lanka and then continued that batting dominance into the second game against Australia. And I'd love to just talk about this game all day because it was, uh, it's not every day that we beat Australia, and, but it's certainly not every day we beat them in such an emphatic fashion. And that was the worst defeat by an Australian team to the Proteas. Uh, I think in the history, it was uh, it was pretty dominant. So I'm just going to talk about this all day because the next game we played against the Netherlands, I don't even want to go there. Sorry, Chris, you don't want to mention the fact that you um you got rolled by the by the Netherlands. You just don't want to don't want to mention that. Goodrick doesn't want to bring that one up. Just wants to talk about the fact that you beat Australia. Is 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 that what you're hearing, Chris? Am I right about that? Yeah. Look, it's always tough to lose against colonizers. We get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We get it. We understand it. Particularly when you, you, you normally have them under the thumb, where they should be. Uh, where they should be. But mm. um, have fun. Also, particularly when there's so many people from your nation playing now for your colonizers' nation who then beat you at the game that you're supposed to be better at. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. tricky times. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like, back when Australia was good at rugby, we used to have that with the Poms all the time. But now we Well, know I was going to say, you know, it, it, it's a bit like England beating Australia at cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, similar stuff, Chris, similar stuff. Anyway, come on, Goodrick, tell us about how bad we lost. Come on, then. So South Africa boasting 311 for seven, um, and Australia a dismal 177. So truly dominant there, the Proteas with bat and ball. And Quinton de Kock, what a series he's having so far. Uh, back-to-back centuries in the first and second game. Um, so well done to him in his last tournament for the Proteas. So um, I'm really stoked that he's having a good one. So this Proteas side, um, again, we know the strength uh, really lies in our top five uh, batting lineup. Lots of experience there. And um, so far, uh, the guys have really put their hands up. 
Um, unfortunately, against the Netherlands, who appeared to be a bit of a bogey team to, for us, um, uh, we did lose by 38 runs. So in that game, the Netherlands um, scored 245 for 8 in 43 overs. So the game was reduced uh, due to bad weather. And I think what this tournament is showing is that um, a team that does put on a fairly competitive score or a large score, uh, that scoreboard pressure is sort of counting and team batting second um, mm. is tending not to do so well. So 245, I thought, 43 overs was was a pretty good score and uh, the South Africans just um, it wasn't the start we we had hoped for we lost we lost wickets throughout the innings and uh, sorry to stop you there Chris uh, I would say that so, uh, so the Netherlands actually bowled really well for mine and South Africa played a lot of silly shots but they were trying to do a lot of wild stuff there's a lot of boats that got bowled in that game um, there really didn't look much chop I mean huge win the Dutch, like massive, colossal, yeah. um, and like their bowlers sort of shared all the wickets. Huge win, and you know, three ex South Africans playing in the Dutch lineup have mm. represented South Africa at international level. Um, and I think, um, this the Dutch spinner is was an Uber driver. Wow, at the last World Cup, uh, yeah. so um. Big transformation. <laughs> Huge. What a, what a pivot. And we also got to say, I can't remember which of the Dutch players it is, Chris. I think it might be Max O'Dowd. But what a salad, Bardo. What an incredible haircut. The long flowing locks. Um, I believe it's Max O'Dowd. Long flowing locks. Bit of a moustache. Um, I think he's a Kiwi. You know, get around that bloke. Made 18 opening the batting. Scotty Edwards, who's an, who's an Aussie, um, who's the captain and the keeper, made 78 and looked great. Um, so, you know, I think, um, I think we should be taking the Dutch a bit more seriously, Butto. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Look, you know, there's some, um, ah, Vandermeer, Vandermeer, Vandermeer? he was the, um, he was the Uber driver. Yeah, look, they've, fair dinkum, they qualified for a World Cup. The West Indies didn't qualify for a World Cup. The Irish didn't qualify. Um, you know, and those are two test playing nations, Pat. So, you could be looking at a little something. A little something from the men in orange. Um, we love to see it, Chris. We love to see it. Back to Goodrich. Didn't really, weren't able to get any solid partnerships together. But I think um, we're looking pretty good. Um, it's it's still very on in the tournament to say where it's going. Uh, we've got a huge game on Saturday um, against England. And uh, the Springboks, the South African rugby team, is also playing England in a in the semi-final. So... Um, it's it's pretty interesting that both our rugby and cricket teams are playing on the same day in both World Cups. So go on the Springboks and go on the Proteas this Saturday. It's going to be brilliant. Um, yeah, South Africa looking good so far and we're hoping that we're going to get into that semi-final spot. We'll keep you updated. We'll see you later. Good on you, Goodrick. Thank you, mate. Lovely to hear your voice. Um, and I'm even more excited about the prospect of just the Dutch taking out a few more big teams. Hopefully not us. Please never us. Oh, my God, Chris, we've gloated so much this episode. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? We'll get red for filth. Um, any thoughts on this, Athos, there, mate, before we move on to our last tape of the day from Alex Spinks? Look, maybe the South Africans have deployed a tactic early at this World Cup and got their choke out of the way nice and early. And, and thus giving themselves some recovery time uh, in, in the tournament. 
um, because uh, it's a pretty pretty big choke job to lose to the Netherlands. So it's a bit of a choke job, Chris. It does feel it does feel right though, in a way, doesn't it? It does feel traditionally right. It's not a quarterfinal, which would really which would really make it. Um, my friend, let's do our last tape, shall we? Let's jump into our main man, Alex Spinks. We haven't heard from Spinksy mm-hmm. in a little while. He's in a play at the moment. He's got a big job. Um, he's working as the hardest working man in the show business. So let's hear from him. It's our Aussie correspondent, Alex Spinks. Gents, apologies for my absence last week. I had many a life thing to do and I just couldn't bring myself to sit down and pontificate about the Australian national team, who once bestrode the narrow world like a colossus, continuously failed to post a defendable T20 score in a 50-over match. Granted, it was against the world's current short-term colossus in India, but three of their top five batters got a duck. Hazelwood and Stark ripped that top order apart. However, Virat Kohli and Ben Stokes share many things in common, and one of those qualities is how much they hate getting bested by Australia, and they will be damned before they let that happen. When KL Rahul joined Kohli in the middle, all five of India's batters had zero runs, and the leading run scorers was a tie between one wide and one leg bye. By the time Kohli was actually caught out in the 38th over, having been shelled on 12 in the 8th, India needed just 33 runs from 74 balls, and Hardik Pandya walks in. And Rahul starts smoking boundaries. Hardik gets one just for a warm-up. This ODI was definitely a portent of things to come. Next, Australia decided to provide the assist for one of the best stories of the Cup by lulling South Africa into the greatest sense of false security by being so absolutely woeful with the bat and ball that South Africa thought that they were world beaters and went into the game with the Netherlands like smarmy, grinny, smarmy, grinning things and got pumped by everyone's second team in this tournament. Glenn Maxwell was Australia's best bowler that match with his two wickets and full complement of overs going just for three and a half per six balls and everyone else getting less wickets and going at over six. And then, oh, then, Australia finally reached the hallowed ground. Mitchell Marsh threw off the shackles of his two ducks in a row and handed them to Steve Smith to look after. David Warner started yelling conspiracy theories about the Hawkeye technology. Afghanistan smashed England. Just had to get that one in there. And Australia finally crossed the 200-run mark and beat Sri Lanka. Yeah. All right. Yes. The bare minimum to achieve an ODI win was achieved. I'm going to hold you there, Spinks. Bardo, um, do you think Spinks has been a bit harsh about that? Uh, or do you think he's on the money? No, he's on the money. He's on the money. <laughs> um, in fact, his, if, if his tape was deal or no deal, all the cases would have a million dollars. That's how on the money he is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No notes. And there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth. Ah. <sighs> I did predict in our World Cup preview that Australia wouldn't make the top four for the semi-finals of this tournament. I just didn't think it would be so vividly apparent after two games. Oh well. Just because Australia used to be a great team. That 
Very good, Spigs. Very good, my friend. Thank you indeed. Bardo, what did you make of David Warner's conspiracy theories? That he thinks that the umpires should have their stats put on the big screen, that they should be held to account the same way as the players? Um, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I, <laughs> I think umpiring is really is a hard enough job as it is. And I'm sure that the umpires are uh, accountable um, in, within, the, within the mechanisms uh, of the ICC, reputable organisation as it is. <laughs> yeah. um, but look, there's already enough kind of out there to discourage people. From, if I can be serious for a moment, Pat. Please, Chris, um, please. I'd I love think that. there's already enough out there um, to discourage uh, people from taking up uh, umpiring and, and refereeing. And I, and I think public scrutiny to that degree uh, is unhelpful and, and, and not in... Um, not not something that's going to encourage more people to take up the role. Mm. Understand where he's coming from. I wouldn't. Ha- I mean, I don't have an issue necessarily if that the stats and things like that and the facts and figures are released to the teams. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. You know, if there's or if there's you know there's some sort of accountability, uh, you know, or transparency within the system itself. But to to suggest that they need to be on the big screen, I think, is a bit silly. And look. You know, one thing we know about Warner is that he's a pugilist. Um, he is. You know, he's, he's, a, he's definitely a fighter, not a flighter. And, um, you know, we know that he's coming towards the end of his career. He's looked okay without looking, you know, brilliant. Amazing. Um, yeah. And I think that um, that might have just been a bit of frustration coming from, uh, coming from the ball. Yeah, he got a he got a tough decision, and I think he was pretty upset about it. But also, there's DRS, Chris. You know, like we're already trying to deal with this as best we can, and umpires really do their best to try and get stuff right. They do occasionally get stuff wrong, but I think they're more right than not. My friend, tonight at seven thirty, so in like an hour and a half, um, we play Pakistan. My friend, we are currently sitting. Oh my gosh, I can't count. One, two, three, four. Six. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Six. We're currently sitting sixth. Pakistan is sitting in fourth mm. um so we've both had three wins one loss they're ahead on net run rates this is an absolutely crucial game mm. if we win this then there's we would move up right and be in that top four which is kind of unbelievable really if we don't then we will not and things will get very hard for us how do you see it rolling out my man what's your feeling in your guts Oh look, but it's it's a must-win game. It's must-see TV. Get the mustard on your hot dog because it's gonna be <laughs> a spicy little sausage of a game. Mm. It's gonna be a a, a chev up. You know chev ups. What's a chev up, Chris? A chev up. It's a little sausage, a little spicy sausage. Oh, quite nice. You're my little spicy sausage. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I'm I'm going pink. Um. <laughs> Much like a chev up sausage. Ah, well done, Chris. Way to bring it back. Way yeah, to save the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, anyway. it's going to be a hell of a game, man. Like Pakistan, although they fell apart against India, have got a lot of talent up and down that batting lineup. They need a win too, um, because they need to bounce back and keep their keep their place up. So it's going to be really hard fought. Yeah, look, you know, and, and as we said earlier, you know, Pakistan can produce anything. You know, pre- predictability. It, there's no such thing as a predictable Pakistan. That's an oxymoron. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think we could see anything. You know, Babar Azam, if he gets onto it, uh, we could be in for an absolute treat. Wouldn't that be fantastic? We saw a bit, of a, a bit of a bat-off. Between, a bit of a bat-off. Between the two greats in Smith and Azam. 
potentially for the last time uh, at a World Cup uh, mm. together with, I think, Steve Smith hinting at, at certainly short-form retirement uh, looming. Yeah. So that's exciting to hang out for. And look, as I said, must-win must win game, must-win TV, get your hot dog, get your mustard, because um, it'll be a barn burner. Get your little spicy sausage and sit down and enjoy it. I, I'm going to do exactly that, Chris. Can I make an early prediction? Here's my little prediction for you, bud. Mm. Whichever team catches better is going to win it. Mm-hmm. It's almost Both. as if catches win matches. matches. Uh, that's my my thought for you, Bardo. If whoever catches better is going to win this one, I think the teams are really evenly matched. But both the fielding from both sides has been left a little bit to be desired. So whoever whoever picks up that mantle could really win it. I think batting and bowling pretty evenly matched. I think it's going to be a f- weirdly come down to the fielding. Is my is my little bet for you, Bardo. Yes. Yeah. Look, it was it was an unusual move by Andrew McDonald. Um, you know, normally when you travel to another country, you like to immerse yourself in their culture a little bit. Um, but um, we seem to have adopted uh, subcontinent fielding practices. <laughs> and I, I think we can reverse that. I think we can let that one go. We can let it go through to the keeper, Chris. It, you know, if, if, if we want to hold on to some part of our identity, it would be the ruthless fielding that Australia is known for. That would be just uh, marvellous. Yeah, we'd love to see that. Um, All right. Well, Chris, let's go get ready to go and watch this game. I'm going to see you tomorrow for a big day on the piss. Let's not make any bones about it. And um, I'm very excited about that. Any any words of wisdom, Bardo? Any final thoughts before we sign off for the day? Look, I'm going to find something from the other side of the component. I'm going to send it to you. It's really bothered me for the last hour. You don't know who potentially the best basketball baller is on the face of the planet. He is ubiquitous. All right, the man is everywhere. Um, turn on a goddamn TV, Pat. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got KO. You've got KO. Um, sponsor the pod. You've got KO. You can watch the Australia Pakistan game and you can watch the NBA all at the same time. Two screens. Wow. Split screen. That is the modern world, Chris. That is the modern world. Get into the great freak, folks. Thank you, Bardo. See you tomorrow. Thank you to all of our correspondents for their contributions. And go the Aussies tonight. Come on, get another dummy at Go the Aussies. Super Nine is created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode presented by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty, featuring Chris Goodrick, Tom K. Hawkey, Adam Hassan, Jai Singh, and a little interjection from Michael Wood, and Alex Spinks. This episode was produced by me, Patrick Cullen at Ginger Snap Productions and edited by Mike Wilcox at Midnight Publishing. Featured clips and music in this episode, including, well, all sound effects was from the BBC Free Sound Effects Library. The Afghan National Anthem was from the Afghan National Anthem's website. The final song was a cover of Everybody Hurts by MC Rye. Now, Tom tells me that was taken from the soundtrack to The Dictator. So, credit to those people, I guess. We also had Born to Run by K.O. S. All clips and music used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. Contact APRA.com.au for details. You can check us out at gingersnapsydney.com. Make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. And we'll be back next week with a full wrap of all the action of the World Cup. Mm-hmm.